Hi, welcome back to Unsolved Self. I'm Michelle. And I'm Maddie. And we're together today. I know, I'm so excited. I know, hopefully uh, we'll be able to do a couple episodes where we're together. It's hard to do, but we're doing it. Yeah, life is uh, a lot and apparently... Uh, what was it that we were using Zoom last time? Oh it did not work. You have to have really good internet connection, and one of us does not. It's me. <laughs> I have the internet connection that I have available to me. If I had a different one available, I'd be using it. True that. But I live out in the middle of nothing, and I got what I got. And you don't complain. And uh, <laughs> Well, I can complain, but nobody True cares. That. Nobody cares. So, all right, well, you got anything else to say? Because this is a long one. Nope, let's do it. Sorry, I had to stand up. I know that probably sounded weird. Okay, yeah, I'm going to see if I can edit some of that, but probably not. <laughs> okay, well, listen, sometimes people got to stand up. Yeah, some people, sometimes people got to, like, hit the table and stuff. So, if you hear weird noises, we're, like, legit in the kitchen. Yeah, we're talking the around the kitchen, dinner table. Try not to uh, touch the dinner table because it's squeaky, so. Yeah. All right, so we are back in Richmond and Aiken counties in Georgia and South Carolina. We mentioned briefly in our last episode um, about serial killer John Wayne Boyer. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start off this episode by touching on the ridiculous number of rapers and psycho killers that were working in the Aiken Augusta area during this time period. And I don't know what a reasonable amount of rapers and psycho killers I'm is. Go with zero is reasonable. Well, they had like way more than their fair share. Like <laughs> it was a ridiculous amount. We had William Ernest Downs, who technically may not have been a serial killer, but we do know that he raped and murdered at least two kids. And I believe there was about eight years in between those two that they know about. Mm -hmm. And he definitely was suspected in other cases. But the chances of him killing and then eight years later killing again and not in between is yeah. pretty slim. So true. Very I'm thinking true. probably he had a couple other victims in there and we just don't know about it. Now, we had Joseph Patrick Washington who, just for funsies, would shoot women in the stomach and then rape them. And he purposely tried to infect any survivors with AIDS. What the heck? And there were three known survivors. And as of the last update, none of them were infected. So, oh, good. fingers crossed that that continued through their lives. Was that uh, recent or... Um, that was in the 90s, possibly the 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. because he is suspected of being the Shaw Creek killer also. Oh. And nobody's really sure he didn't lay claim to any of those. Yeah. But if he's not, then we also had the Shaw Creek killer. So was, two or three now. Yeah, who was killing in the 80s and 90s. And he's named that because several of the bodies were found in the Shaw Creek area of Aiken County. Now, were those bodies shot in the stomach and raped? Um, we're going to talk about um, some of those bodies. Okay. So we'll just get into that in a little bit because we'll, we'll talk about it and why it may or may not have been him. Gotcha. Because I'm not so positive it was. Okay. But some people do suspect him. And um, 
you know, it's a possibility, but if not, then we're up to three. Mm -hmm. We had John Wayne Boyer, who we talked about, who in the 2000s, he was a truck driver that lived in Hepzibah, and he would rape and kill women. He killed some in Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and dumped their bodies off the interstate. But he was also suspected of killing some women in Georgia also, so... So now we got, what, four? Four. We got Ronaldo Rivera. Okay. Who in 1999 and um, 2000, he kidnapped, raped, and murdered at least four women that we know about. Okay. We have Henry Lewis Wallace, who raped and killed 11 women in North Carolina and South Carolina between, the between 1990 and 1994. 11 women between 90 and 94. Jeez. He grew up in Barnwell County, which is right next door to Aiken. And mm -hmm. he also was suspected in a couple killings in Georgia. But none were proven. And then we had Richard Daniel Sturrett, who raped young girls and women in several states. He only killed one teen girl, but he was a serial rapist. He was convicted in South Carolina and in Georgia, and he worked at SRS in Aiken County. Oh. So um, he had ties to the area, even though it's not technically where he lived. He did have ties. So we have all of those. That was seven. Okay. That That's we know ridiculous. about. That seems like a ridiculous amount. Yeah, that is so ridiculous. So... Did we calculate how many victims there were total? No. And some of them, um, like the Richard Daniel Sturrett, we only know of a couple of them, and he was only convicted in two or three. Yeah. But he was a serial rapist. Who knows how many victims exactly. he had? Because we don't know if any didn't come forward. Some of them he may not have gotten convicted of. So, you know, they may not have been named or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, a ton. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say a ton. Uh, it was yeah. way too many. Way too many. I, I just quit looking after that. And actually, there were a couple more killers that weren't serial killers that could have been on the list. But I was like, mm, let me just stop here because this is enough. So these are just the serial killers. This does not include like or a rapist, serial rapist. Th yeah, this does not include like a one and done or a. No. Mm -mm. Everyone on the list was. Um, raped or murdered more than one person gotcha yes so and, and most of them were a lot but and these like i said are only the ones we know about who knows how many there were that we just don't even know exactly about. we are gonna start on july 10th 1987 with 24 year old black female sharon lynn hart wheels and hart wheels is hyphenated okay She's walking down Church Street in Graniteville, South Carolina. She has black hair, brown eyes, beautiful smile, 5'4", 120 pounds. That is the only details we have in her case. Like, it? That's it? That's it. That's all? We don't know where she was going. We don't know what she was doing. We don't know who last saw her. That is the end of the details in her case. And she disappeared. 
Well, uh, someone cared very deeply about her. I wish that was not the case that this happens so often, but yeah. it happens a lot. We have on June 28th, and I do have a picture of her, mm. so we'll be able to see. On June 28th, 1989, so we were at 87, now we're at 89, 17-year-old Donna Shireen Wright was last seen in Beach Island, South Carolina. She's a black female, black hair, brown eyes, 5'6", 120 pounds. She's one of 13 siblings, and that is the extent of the information available in her case. Oh, my God. On a personal note, um, she and Sharon look a lot alike, like oh, a really? lot, a lot. And both of them weighed 120 pounds. There was about two inches difference in their height, but oh. they look a lot alike. So what are you trying to speculate that maybe the same person got them? Absolutely. I yeah. absolutely That think sounds very feasible. The same person got them. And also just another quick FYI for people that are not... Um, familiar with the area beach island is not an island mm -hmm. nor is it a beach it's spelled b-e-e-c-h <laughs> wait you said b-e-e <laughs> quit picking on me that's two e's cause mountain's picking on me so y'all might not have heard y'all might not can hear me over her laughter <laughs> Um, it's just a town with a couple factories and SRS is there, which is the Savannah River site. It's uh, It was a little more desolate then, but it isn't exactly huge now. There's no. not a ton there, so some gas stations. and It's not as exciting as it sounds when you mm -hmm. hear Beach Island. You think it's like a fabulous paradise, and it <laughs> is not. It is absolutely no. not. We looked at a house there one time, and it was all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's, I mean, there's nothing there's wrong nothing with it. It's, it's just, just not what the name implies Yeah, when you hear it. A few months later, Danetta LaTanya Millbrook and her twin sister, Janetta Latresa Millbrook. And I apologize if I got that middle name wrong. Um, I heard that it was misspelled on several sites and... I took the one that it was written like the most. Mm -hmm. So I apologize if I'm wrong on it, but you'll understand in a minute. A quick description on the twins. They're both 15 years old, black females, black hair, brown eyes. Mm -hmm. Janetta stood between 5'3 and 5'5, and she weighed between 115 and 135 pounds. Her hair was described as jerry curls to the shoulder. And she had a scar near her belly button from hernia surgery. Donetta stood between 5'5 five five and 5'7. Five so she was a decent amount taller. Mm -hmm. And she weighed between 120 and 140 pounds. She was bow-legged. And her hair also is described as jerry curl, jerry curl to the shoulder. And she has a hernia scar near her belly button as well. Now, the day they disappeared was March 18th, 1990, and that started out like any other Sunday. The twins attended church with their family. Mm -hmm. 
Someone from the church had gifted them some money to treat the family to Sunday dinner without their mom, Mary Sturgis, having to cook, which I'm sure she was thrilled about because nobody really wants to cook Sunday dinner. Oh, yeah. If they don't have to. For sure. Especially, well, no, they need it. (laughs) (laughs) The twins went to nearby Church's Chicken to grab the food. They didn't have a car, so their options were kind of limited. And there was a Church's Chicken. And I don't know if you've had Church's Chicken, but um, it's pretty good. And their biscuits are woo-wee. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Oh, they got them good honey butter biscuits. (laughs) Anyway. Making me hungry. I just had tacos. (laughs) (laughs) So they get back home with the food. They're getting ready to eat. They tell Mary that they had been followed by a black man in a white van. Mm -hmm. She goes, looks out, but she doesn't see anybody. And over lunch, they kind of joke because, you know, they got the other kids there and everything. And they're kind of joking. And they call him Raper Man Charles in the van. I got a van story um, if we have time afterwards. All right. A little like close brush with death personally <laughs> that we can do. Okay. At the end of this. Hold on to it. Yeah. Remind okay. me. So um, they tell their little jokes about Raper Man Charles and uh, the mom doesn't see anything. It seems like it was just a coincidence yeah. or whatever so about 3 p.m the twins head out and they're gonna go visiting some friends and relatives and they're supposed to be back by 7 p.m when it's just about to get dark or it's pretty dark by then the first place they're gonna go is to their godfather's house mm-hmm. and he's supposed to give them money for the bus for the week and then a little bit extra for some snacks just because he's a good dude The twins had been living in in the same neighborhood with the godfather and the family that they're about to visit. And so a lot of people knew them there. So they were spotted in the neighborhood and positively identified. So we do know that they went visiting. They had moved recently and they were in another area. They currently attended Lucy Laney High School, mm-hmm. but they had moved out of that district. And so they would be attending TW Josie the following year. But since it was only a couple months left in school, they decided to finish it out at Laney. Yeah. And then go to Josie when the school year started. But that meant that there were no buses running in their area for Laney. Mm. So they had to take public transportation to Laney from their house. Gotcha. That's why they needed the bus money. Got it. I heard that speculated, like, why were they not taking the school bus? I mean, a little bit of research, people. It's not that hard. They left his house after visiting about an hour. So we're about at 4 p.m. They had to go visit their aunt and their cousin because they're pretty tight with their cousin. Mm -hmm. She lives on 10 Cup Lane. Okay. This is in South Augusta in Georgia. They visit with the cousin and the aunt, and then they ask the cousin to walk with them. But the mom says, no, it's too late for her to leave the house. Yeah. Now, we do not know if she if they wanted the cousin to walk with them because they felt um, like they were concerned about something mm-hmm. or if it was just because they were close. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you want to walk with us? We're going to visit our sister next. So we're not exactly sure what the deal was there. 
But in any case, the aunt says, no, it's too late for y'all to leave. She can't go. Mm -hmm. So they go on and they visit their older sister who lives on um, Pickett Avenue. Mm -hmm. And they spend about 15 minutes there. And how far is this from the cousin's house? Very close. Very close. Very close. They're all in the same general neighborhood. Got it. The sister, they when they go to leave, it's starting to get dark. Mm -hmm. And so they ask the sister if she'll walk them home. And the sister had very recently given birth, and so she was not able to walk them back. Yeah. And I saw her get criticized a lot online. Um, uh, there was a lot of judgment over that. And I'm sure that she is her own worst judge on that. I'm sure oh, that yeah. she never forgave herself for that. That's how I would feel. But it's it's not fair to criticize her. She just gave birth. Like, Right. Think about ridiculous. it. So the twins lived about three miles away from her. She was close to the aunt and the godfather, but she wasn't that close to where the twins lived. So they lived about three miles away from her, which, you know, a walk for 15-year-olds is not a big deal. But that's a six-mile round-trip walk with a newborn and all the issues that are coming from giving birth. Yeah. And she would be alone in the dark. Yeah. No. So I, I think the criticism of the sister is, is unfair and mm -hmm. unfounded. I think that's pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. She did watch them as they headed towards 12th Street and what is now Martin Luther King Boulevard. Um. I think it was Milledgeville Road then, but I'm not positive. They stopped at the gas station up there, the Pump and Go, mm -hmm. and it's now closed. They stop, they go and get their snacks and their Cokes and stuff because the Godfather gave them a little bit of extra money for that stuff. Yeah. The clerk that worked there was familiar with them. So she verified that they were definitely there, but she did not think they were acting out of the ordinary. She thought everything seemed fine. They did not act scared. They did not alert her to any issues. She did not see anything out of the way. Right. So they get their snacks, they get their drinks. She sees them walk out. She's busy with another customer. She does not know what happens after that, but that is the last time anybody verified seeing my goodness. There is a good bit of speculation that they thought they were being followed and that that's why they had asked the cousin and the sister to walk them home. And if they were, my question is, I wonder why they didn't tell the clerk because she could have called the police or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe they could have called the godfather or, you know, somebody else to come walk them home yeah, or to drive them home. They did not tell the clerk. So that makes me wonder if they actually did think they were being followed. Cause a lot of people think that same guy in the van may have been following them as they visited mm -hmm. and that that's why they were asking, you know, Hey, walk me home. The sister said that it was getting dark and that's what they said. And, and that's perfectly logical. Oh, yeah. So I just personally feel like if they were that concerned about somebody in a van, that they would have said something to the clerk because, like I said, she was familiar with them. They used to go to that gas station all the time when they lived in the neighborhood. So my question is why, 
why wouldn't they like ask the sister if they could spend the night and then call the mom and say, hey, we're spending the night at the sister's house because it's getting dark and we're scared. I'm not sure. And they were 15. So, I mean, yeah, kids don't always make the best decisions. decisions. Yeah. But also, it may not have been that they were that scared. It may have just been that they were like, oh, it's going to be dark. You want to walk us home? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just wasn't that serious. Like, if she does, she does. That's good. But if she doesn't, it's not that big a deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and sometimes people don't ask for help when they need it. You know, it's like a whole thing when people, like, choke that they turn around and walk away. Yes. The amount of times that Melanie has choked and then And just walked off. Like like she was going to die by herself. Like, come on. So, I mean, people do that. So it is possible they needed the help and just didn't think to ask or just chose not to ask. I don't know. In any case, when they don't get home at seven, like they're supposed to, their mom starts to get concerned. And so she starts calling around and people are like, yeah, they were here at this time. They were here at that time. She's starting to get some stories. She's getting more and more concerned. So she takes her younger daughter and they go walk the routes the girls would have taken in their visiting. Mm -hmm. They cannot find anything. They don't find any sign of them. When they still couldn't find Janetta and Danetta, they called the police. And I'll give you three guesses what they were told. Got to wait 24 to 48 hours. Exactly. 24 hours before a report can be filed. And we have learned that is not True. It is not true now, but it was the policy then. Okay, but now it's not true. It is not true now. So don't believe them. This was sadly the least of the ways the police would fail this family. And I do mean that. Mm. The Richmond County Sheriff's Office was just out here inventing new and unusual ways to screw up an investigation. So where do we start? First off, it took a good week before a detective was assigned to the case after they were able to file the report 24 hours later. A whole week? A good week. Before they start. Oh, my goodness. So, nobody's really looking. There's a report, but nobody's really investigating for a good week other than the family. Oh, my gosh. So, when they do, this detective is Jim Ship. And he had also handled Tiffany Nelson's case a few years later. Mm-hmm. You remember her from the gas station, oddly enough? The little girl with the bike? Oh, yeah. He handled her case. Remember mm-hmm. when he did not find any reason to suspect foul mm-hmm. play? And he was insistent that she was a runaway? Mm-hmm. He was very insistent that Donetta and Janetta were runaways. He was very insistent. And we'll get more into that in a minute also. But he also had handled Tiffany Nelson's case. So I feel like that needs to be said. Oh, yeah. He misspelled Janetta's middle name. And he misspelled the twin's last name. Like, how hard is it? They're literally spelling it out for you. You would think. But to this day, you will see a lot of places that they'll be listed as the Millbrooks twins with mm-hmm. an S, and it's actually not. 
So that was in the original police report, which no big deal because it got lost anyway. So, um, got lost. Yes, it, it was missing. So, in any case, Detective Ship goes to Lucy Laney and he starts interviewing students there. And you can imagine what it's like when the cops go to the school and start asking questions. These kids start bringing out every rumor and every piece of gossip they've ever heard in their lives. Oh, yeah. So, the problem with this is that Ship seems to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds legit. Mm-hmm. That sounds like what could have happened. It's not like he seems to be going, these kids are talking out their butts. Yeah. You know, just th have that something to say. Logical. No, it feels like he's really invested in what they're saying. Like, oh, yeah, they witnessed this. So he heard stories like, the twins had one of them had gotten pregnant and so they ran off to keep from getting in trouble but i mean like if your sister gets pregnant you ain't in trouble yeah so that and also happen. the other sister just gave birth like how old was that sister well she is off on her own so she is older i thought she was like 18 oh she no got pregnant no this is a, a no i'm pretty sure she was older hmm. because she was a sister by the father if i'm not mistaken mm. there were a lot of kids in the family got it okay between the parents there were a good many kids in the family i thought there was a younger sister that got pregnant and she did the younger sister is the one that went with the mom mm. she was 12 at the time no like i thought there was another sister that got pregnant and had a baby and was living on their own just from a different podcast that i read that I heard. There may have been, but I did not see. It was my understanding she was in her 20s. Gotcha. And, and I could be wrong about that because it is hard to find information about. And it's weird because it should not be. There are not a lot of cases of twins being missing in the U.S. Yeah, really? there are, Yeah, there are just a handful of them. And the fact that these are on that, that short list in itself should make it a big story. Yeah. And it did not get a lot of attention. It honestly, it still hasn't gotten a lot of attention. And I know that though the younger sister had contacted like, um, like Oprah and Montel Williams and a bunch of those and none of them were interested in covering it. Mm. And so I know that she has fought tooth and nail trying to get coverage yeah. for these girls and has not been able to get it. Yeah. So it is at all possible. But like I said, there's a lot of facts that, that are against each other. They're just, they're fighting it out and you kind of got to go with what you're hearing the most of. So mm -hmm. it is at all possible that that's true and that I got it wrong, but I heard there was another podcast done and I cannot remember. I can't write off the top of my head. Remember what it was that they said, but. Oh, I do, but I'm not going to call them out on it, but okay. they gave a fact that I know for a hundred percent fact is wrong just because I'm very familiar with the area. Yeah. And they said something was very close to something else. And it absolutely is not like that. Mm. So, um, 
I think everybody's just trying to do the best they can to gather up the facts when the police did not seem interested in putting any information out. Yeah. Literally the family is the only people that are interested in putting any information out. Um, One of the other rumors that he heard was that the twins had actually run away because their mom had too many kids to take care of. And that's not really logical either because You know, this woman was dragging them to church. She knew when they went missing, when they weren't home. She started calling people. She started, you know, walking the streets trying to figure out where they were. So, you know, if she was one of those people that just didn't seem to know where her kids were at any given time and just kids everywhere and all, then you might could say, okay, but she honestly does not come off that way at all to me. Yeah, not at all. And then, I mean... I grew up with six of us kids in the house, you know? Right. And it was tight, you know, and, and yeah, things could have been probably, we could have had more money if we had left less kids or something, but, (laughs) and four teenage girls sharing a bathroom was a nightmare, but, sure, you know, but those were good times. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't believe anything the kids had to say. No, not at all. Now, Ship also interviewed the principal of Lucy Laney High School, and he has since passed away. But the principal has a story that's pretty interesting, and um, it's interesting in a couple ways, actually. He said that he had personally seen the twins on the street after they were reported missing. And... I don't know the size of the student body at that time, but I feel like he should have been able to recognize them, number one, because most schools don't have that many twins. Mm -hmm. And number two, because once um, students at your school go missing, it feels like you'd make it your business to know what they look like. Exactly. So even if in general you couldn't recognize them, which a lot of principals in schools in this area can because, you know, most of the schools are pretty small. You know, even if he couldn't have before, it feels like he would have made it his business to be able to recognize them after. Right. So he should have been very positive in his ID on these kids, right? Mm -hmm. So if his story is true, then that means that the twins would have had to leave on their own accord, at least initially. Right. I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. No, but I don't believe it. The other reason the story is interesting is because his niece was involved in a fight with one of the twins very near the time they went missing. And we don't know exactly what the fight was about, but there's some speculation that there was some bullying going on and that it was his niece bullying the twins. Mm-hmm. And... um. So could he have made up this story, believing that the police might have questioned his niece, that I don't know if he would have thought she had something to do with it or not, but, you know, just to keep the police from talking to her? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Personally, the twins just running off doesn't make sense to me because I feel like they would have taken a better time to do it yeah they had gone to visit the 
godfather and they probably could have asked him for more money if they were planning on leaving would they have spent the money on snacks absolutely not would they have waited until dark would they not have taken clothes and belongings with them yeah um for any number of reasons it just doesn't seem logical to me that they left on their own i 100 do not believe that uh, Ship did believe the principal's story, though. He he took that to heart. He believed it 100%. And um, personally, I feel like it should have been questioned more. Now, while the family was looking for the twins in those first days, Mary, their mom, spoke to their bio dad, John Milbrook, mm-hmm. and he seemed to have no interest in helping to search for the girls. He told Mary that they, that she needed to stop looking for them because they were quote with some man. What? Yeah. Mary said she didn't believe that John had done anything to hurt the girls, but she certainly didn't think he helped any. And I'm not sure what that means, but um, despite his odd statements, Detective Ship did not interview John. Another way he just failed this family. Yeah. And and you could be thinking, well, maybe the detective thought John's statement was misinterpreted or whatever. So let's talk about him for a second. Um, he probably should have been looked at a little harder because he had a very lengthy criminal record. He was linked to many crimes in the area during, before, and after the time frame of the twins' disappearance. Um, Sheriff Roundtree even went so far as to say that he had been connected to some heinous crimes in at the time. He also was acquainted with um, several other criminals, but that's not really surprising given his criminal record. However, one of the ones that is of interest would be Joseph Patrick Washington. Remember him kidnapping, raping, and murdering black women all over the area since the 80s or 90s? Mm-hmm. The twins were young black women with short hair, and they definitely did fit his type. And if he was associated with their father, which he was, it is possible he could have. they could have gotten on his radar. Yeah. What did he drive? He did not have a van. Okay. But um, he would have had access to different delivery vehicles and stuff through his work. So it he hmm. could not be ruled out just because he didn't have a van. But um, he was not known to have driven a van. John was also acquainted with killer, just regular killer, not psycho killer, Ernest Vaughn's. And John actually had gone to jail for helping Vaughn's conceal a death and hide a body. So they were tight. Where did they hide the body? That I don't know. <laughs> Not very well, I guess, because it got caught. So. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Vaughn's was in jail for that murder, I believe. And he gave sort of a jailhouse confession years later. Mm-hmm. He was only about 11 or 12 at the time of the twins' disappearance in 1990. Mm-hmm. But he was still hanging out with John. He said that there was a gathering um, 
a party where people were just there getting high, basically. Yeah. And that something happened. He said that one of the twins was intoxicated and that there were several men from the party taking advantage of her. And those are his words. The other twin stepped in to defend her sister and she was either punched or shoved and she fell and hit her head. He said that everyone was then told to leave, which they did, but he waited in the yard and he was told that was fine, but to stay outside until it was quiet. He says he then witnessed um, something, what he assumed to be the twins, were loaded into a vehicle and then later he was told that they were dumped in the brickyard pond. And guess who lived near and worked at the brickyard at the time? Who? None other than nasty local raper, Joseph Patrick Washington. Huh. So he actually worked at the brickyard, so he would have been familiar. Yeah. In a News 12 article done December of 2019, Sheriff Roundtree was questioned about the pond in the area being searched, and he said it was not searched because Vons was not credible. So here's a snippet from that article. Roundtree says, based on the information they got, it was from the person whose information turned out to not be credible. And then he added that the brickyard is such a vast area, they'd need a specific location to narrow down the search. And the sheriff says they never got a specific location and that the tipster, Vaughn's, was not credible. But here's the thing. You haven't had a lead in 30 years. Why would it be such a big deal to go search? I understand it's big, but, like, nobody's saying do it overnight. It is big, and um, it is a good place to dump bodies. Not that I'm encouraging that. Yeah. But, and bodies have been dumped there before. Yeah, and And all the time, I feel like. I feel like just, you know, for funsies, they should... Once a year or so, take the cadaver dogs out there and run it across and see what they can come up with. Because I would guess that there probably are bodies in that water. They used to, back in the day, drop the damaged bricks in the pond. Mm-hmm. And we were always told that it was bottomless, and um, which... I don't know if that's a thing everywhere, but like around here at least. People always said that bodies of water were bottomless if they didn't want you to swim in them. And I wasn't never going to touch the bottom anyway, so I don't know what the difference was. But for some reason, it'd scare you out of them. Now, the brickyard, I don't know why anybody would want to swim in it. Uh, That's a fairly swampy area. But, like, the chalk mines and stuff, the Mm -hmm. chalk ponds are absolutely gorgeous. They've got, like, uh, Bahamas-looking water. Yeah. So, I can see why people would want to swim there, but not the brickyard. Plus, it probably is full of a bunch of hazards because the bricks probably fail, like, haphazardly. Like Like, dead bodies Maybe on a stack, and then they could fall over, but... I don't know why they couldn't just run a dog around it. And I also don't know why um, he didn't really elaborate on why the tip wasn't credible. It feels like something he could have said. um, It's not credible because blah, blah, blah. And then people would stop talking about it. Yeah. And be able to move on. 
at this point, it's been so many years later, I don't understand why you would not just say why it's not credible. But he didn't. And as far as I can tell, Vons did not gain anything from telling the story. He did not get a deal or anything for coming forward. Right. So as far as I can tell, he had no reason to lie. To tell this story at all, much less to lie. Now, could he have just lied for fun? Yes. He said that John knew what happened to his daughters and then it drove him crazy. And he actually did get Alzheimer's later. So I don't know if that's what he meant or if he meant like he just was never the same. Karma. Maybe. Um, Roundtree also comes across pretty defensive whenever he's questioned about the case. If you hear from him in an interview or like the other podcast tried to interview him, I believe, and he refused. I know that certain news organizations have tried to interview him and he has either refused or been pretty standoffish. Mm -hmm. He's been very quick to defend the actions of the police in the past. Yeah. I assume that's a professional courtesy because we've seen him defend things that really shouldn't necessarily have been defended. And I feel like it wouldn't have been that out of, the way for him to say, listen, things were done differently back then. Was it right? No. Have we learned from it? Yes. Right. Instead of saying they were doing the best they could with the information they had when I think on some of these cases, it's pretty clear that was not what was happening. Uh, Very clear. So I don't know. I just feel like it's interesting that he jumped so hard to defend some of this stuff. He even said um, that, so their sister, Shantae, I believe is her name. Shanta? Shantae? I'm not a hundred. Their younger sister has been super pushing, trying to get their story out. And um, she asked them, asked him, or she accused him in a way of not being that interested in doing anything to try to find her sisters. Yeah. Which I, I don't disagree with her theory on that in the fact that it, it doesn't really look like they're working that hard or pushing it or anything. And Roundtree said, well, if we weren't interested in finding them, we wouldn't have reopened the case. But you reopened it and had done nothing with it. Right. So did you catch that though? Reopened the yeah. case. Reopened. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So about 20 years after the girls went missing, the family found out that the case had been closed as soon as the twins turned 16. 17. I'm sorry. So it was about a year. No, no, because they were just shy of their 16th birthday. They, their birthday was in April and they disappeared in March. They were just shy of their 16th birthday. So it was like a year later. Yeah. They, their case was closed. Ship decided, he said that they had run away and they couldn't be forced to return back home because they were overage. The thing is that the family did not know that the case was closed for 20 years. No one was looking but the family and the family did not know that. The original case file, as we said, 
had been lost. Air quotations. And the case closed, just like that. And nobody thought, hey, we should probably mention this to the family, that if they want them searched for, they're going to have to do it on their own, which they were. So um, another interesting little tidbit is that in addition to the case being closed, it was discovered that the twins were actually removed from the National Missing Persons database shortly after they went missing. What? They were removed. They were listed on it. And then removed. And then removed, which is something that is not supposed to happen without an explanation. Yeah. Um, there should always be an explanation as to why someone is removed from that list. And there is no explanation listed. Now, when pressed on it later, another detective said that he had removed them because he was told by the juvenile detective in charge who would have been ship mm-hmm. that they had been found. Really? And so they were actually removed from the database. I know that, I don't know if this is bad police work or racism. I do not know. I honestly do not know. I know that it's easy for everybody to jump to racism, but um, they may have just been stupid. Yeah. But my question is, why would you go so far as to make sure they're removed? You closing the case and saying they disappeared is one thing, but for you to go out of your way to make sure they're removed is sketchy as hell to me. It really is. It seems like you were involved in some way. You were or somebody you knew was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The police work, though, did not seem to get better when Roundtree took charge. And if you don't know, he is black. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. And and he defends it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to leave that there. Back to John for a second. You know, I said he wasn't interested in helping search at all. Right. He actually refused to give DNA to the police for them to match any potential bodies. Um, he also encouraged his older daughter not to give DNA. And at first I thought, well, he could have committed a crime. Yeah. And not wanted his DNA or her DNA in on the books because... It could connect him to a crime, right? Mm -hmm. But he also tried to stop Mary from giving DNA. And she obviously would not be a blood relation to him. Yeah. Her DNA could not lead to him being connected to a crime. So why was he so concerned with her giving DNA? Exactly. Now, he may not have trusted the police. That's not... I mean, he had had bad dealings with the police. Yeah. And the police aren't exactly lending the air of, uh, oh, we can be trusted, in my opinion. So, yeah, you could make that argument. But in my opinion, his behavior is sketchy to say Very sketchy. Sketchy, sketchy. Now, during this time frame, as I said, there were a lot of women turning up murdered or missing and we're going to talk about those and this is not all of them by any stretch of the imagination 
Okay, so they disappeared in the 90s, but let's go back to 1987. On November 16th of 1987, near Eureka, South Carolina in Aiken County, and this is near the Shaw Creek area, there are some folks out hunting and they come across human remains in a patch of woods near the creek. They call the cops and an investigation begins The remains are face down, their arms are outstretched, and their legs are crossed. And the police believe they're obviously posed. Yeah. There are no clothes and no belongings near the body. But they do find one brass shotgun casing under the body. No other evidence. Were they shot? It was remains. It was not a body. Body. It was... It's hard for me to not say body. Remains sound so clinical. Bones. It was bones. So, um, here is what they figured out during the autopsy, though. And I don't know if that's the correct word for what they do on bones, but... Like the TV show bones? Anyway, so, they actually learned a decent amount. They learned that the... The body was a black female, but that it had very high cheekbones. So they felt like it could have been what they said influenced by European, Caribbean, or Native American. So, so yeah, that's what I took it to mean is that they were mixed or maybe that one of their parents were mixed. Okay. Um, It didn't really explain that and I could not find that referenced anywhere else yeah Yeah, I I was not clear on exactly what that meant but that was what I thought was that possibly one of the parents was mixed and so they would have been I'm not good at math but what like a third or something yeah a fourth of another race they felt like this woman would have died between 1983 and 1987 she was estimated to be between 5'8 and 5'10 and said to have weighed between 130 and 150 pounds. I wonder how you can get that from Bones. I don't. I know from watching the show Bones that they could tell a lot by the joints and all on how much somebody mm-hmm. weighs and stuff like that. But I don't. that's on TV, so I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Her nose had been broken and had healed. And she was missing four teeth. She had a pronounced overbite. Her right knee had at some point had some type of injury, which had healed. And her hair tested positive for cocaine. Okay. This led the police to narrow down their list of possible IDs to sex workers and drug addicts that they knew to be working in Georgia and South Carolina. Mm -hmm. At some point, they also thought it may have been somebody from one of the migrant farms in the area, but it seems like that went out the window pretty quick. On June 28th, 1989, was when Donna Shireen Wright disappeared in Beach Island. Okay, so we have her. And then in 1991, loggers find a nude body mm-hmm. near Shaw Creek, not far from Eureka, South Carolina. 
The body is a black female who they did not identify until 1993. And when they did, they identified her as 30-year-old Jackie Council. She had disappeared in November of 1986. So she had been dropping, the. she was last seen dropping her kid off at school. She had a five-year-old mm-hmm. that she was dropping off at school, and that was the last place she was seen. She actually left behind four kids. Now, she disappeared in 86, and yeah. the other body was also found in the 80s. The thing is that... Um, Washington was really only getting credit for doing rapes in the 90s. Yeah. But these are the ones they think he could have had something to do Mm. with. So, but we don't know. Now, this body, like I said, was nude. And they had no belongings at all with it. Was she posed? She was not. Hmm. So that means was she even connected to the other body? Yeah. Or did somebody start out with like this whole ritual and then be like, yeah, that took a lot of work and decide not to do it the next time? Yeah. I don't know. But she was found incredibly close to the other body. In March of 1992, another body was found, this one on Uncle Duck Road, and that's in Aiken. It was about 10 to 15 miles away from where the other bodies were found, but in the same general vicinity, Mm -hmm. and it was also found near water. Like the others, she was a nude black female. Later, she, like a year later, she was identified as 29-year-old Christine Durden. And she had been missing since March 13th of 1989. Okay, still in the 80s. So, again, in the 80s. There was not a lot to find out about her. I couldn't find um, much in any of the papers or anything. She was from Avery in Jefferson County, Mm -hmm. and nobody really knew what happened. She, last anybody knew, she was at her house. Yeah. And then nobody saw her again. So nobody knows if she went to the store, if she went to Aiken for some reason, nobody knows. Officially, she was not connected to the other deaths, but she was found nude Hmm. with no belongings. And she was a young black female that very much fit the description of the others. To me, the MO feels the same. Yeah. 93 was um, a busy year in the area. In January, the body of a black female was found again near Shaw Creek, this time by people that were planting timber. Um, You know, the loggers come through and cut. Yeah. And then somebody comes behind them and plants timber. How big is Shaw Creek? It's it's not. I mean, it's it's like a decent length, but it's not like a huge area. But it is pretty wooded. Yeah. And, you know, the loggers found the other body, and then the people coming in to plant found this one. So chances are, yeah, whoever it was knew what was going on. Maybe they had something to do with logging. Hmm. We don't really know. So in any case, this girl was different 
because she had been burned and it's not really known if she herself was burned or if they were doing like burning of the underbrush and clear cutting they burn the underbrush a lot of times they're not really sure that they didn't set an underbrush fire and and burn the body accidentally or if she was set on fire gotcha and burn the area because her and the area were burned and they were burning underbrush Gotcha. so it is at all possible that it was an accident that she was burned Mm. um this one when they make the facial reconstruction public the millbrook family immediately contact the police they believe it's janetta they were immediately told it was not her. What? But it's my understanding that DNA was not actually taken from the family for comparison until the case was reopened. Yeah. And um, and I could have misunderstood that when I was digging around, but I don't think I did. And... <laughs> Like, it took them a long time to identify the other one. So, I don't know how, like, immediately they're like, nope, it's not her. The facial reconstruction is strikingly similar to her. Mm. It, it really, really is. Her family saw it. The remains heights are estimated at 5'4 to 5'7. And her weight at 125 to 140, which is a decent stretch. Yeah. But um, that and the estimated dates of her death did fall in the range for Janetta. Yeah. All of that did. And like I said, the resemblance is pretty striking. They believed, though, that these remains were a woman that was between the age of 25 and 35. So that's the only place that she doesn't really fit. Though. Right. And... You know, they found out a lot about the other one when they looked over the body. So, you know, I guess they probably could tell, but I don't know. That That's a pretty big range, in my opinion. I feel like if the body was burned, it might, you know, do a little... Yeah, I don't know. But, but they were told that um, she was ruled out. It was not her. Okay, so since the case has been re... Okay, no. You're asking, did they recompare it? Yeah. I looked up both both of the twins and all of the bodies that were found. Mm -hmm. And and most of the times they'll put anything, anybody they've been compared to. And there were not comparisons. So they haven't compared. On the twins or on this body. There were no comparisons listed. So they may have and just not listed them. Mm -hmm. But usually they're listed. And was this body ever confirmed to be anybody else? Mm-mm. Huh. Seems uh, like 30 years later, we could probably uh, check that out and see if that's a possible lead. I would think, given the amount of press recently that it's gotten, that if it was in any way, shape, or form a possibility, they would have gone back and at least secretly done it. But I... Mm, but they've come back so. and said, mm. hey, guess what? We were wrong. Here she is. I mean, I don't know. No. I don't know. I don't know. They're not, like I said, they're not exactly striking. Um, 
we can trust them in my heart. So. Oh, no. Okay, so on June 8th, 1993, the nude body of 24-year-old Loretta Dukes was found shot in a field off of Columbia Nitrogen Road. So Columbia Nitrogen Road is a pretty well-traveled road, and she was just kind of put, like, left in a field. Yeah. Now, this is strikingly similar to a crime that took pay- place in September of 93, so same year, when the body of 18-year-old Marilyn Kelly was found shot off of Columbia Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbia Nitrogen Road, sorry. So, same road, black females, both of them, both of them young, both of them found shot and just dumped in in a field off of Columbia Nitrogen Road. So, obviously, they feel connected. And Joseph Patrick Washington, our neighborhood rapey pervy dude, was suspected in Laura Duke's murder, but there was no evidence to connect him. But he was charged, finally, with Marilyn Kelly's death. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not really sure which, he died in prison of AIDS. Mm. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, the way that he left those bodies just, like, in a field. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there were at least three survivors from him. Yeah. To me, says he's not the Shaw Creek killer. Yeah. The Shaw Creek killer left no evidence left, which he didn't leave evidence on on Loretta Duke if he did kill her. But um, he did leave witnesses alive. He did just, I mean, it wasn't like he really took great care to conceal these bodies. Right. Whereas the Shaw Creek killer did conceal these bodies. They were not found for years. Mm-hmm. Where these women were found pretty much immediately. Right. He feels sloppy to me. Yeah. He feels very much like he's just out here doing whatever feels right in his mm-hmm. mind. And the Shaw Creek killer feels like somebody that was a little more meticulous, um, that maybe knew that area enough to know where they could hide a body or bodies Mm -hmm. and that they would not be found. And, And they weren't for years. Right. So I personally don't think it was Washington. Now, who it was, I don't know. Right. But I personally don't think it was him. I don't think he was careful enough. And I actually, even though she was in a different place, I actually believe the young lady from Avery mm. was part of the Shark Creek killings. I think maybe um, in the logging. Yeah. He could not get to his regular dumping grounds. And had to pick a different place. And he picked a decently good place because her body was not discovered for years either. Right. So I feel like whoever this person is, I don't feel like they're Washington. But I don't know who they are. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts or theories on it? Well, I I agree. I don't think it's Washington that's the shock killer. I don't think they're... 
the same. Going back to the twins, do you, did you believe the principal story or you? No. You know, you don't believe any of it. Mm-mm. You think he made it up or do you think it was mistaken identity? Um, I think maybe he made it up, honestly. So if he made it up, it would have had to have something to do with the niece, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, why, why would he unless he had something to do with him? Yeah, maybe he was at that party. I don't know. I mean, we don't know nothing about him, no. so we don't know if he was on drugs or whatever. We don't know nothing It feels about like him. there was a butt ton of people that were just living wild back then. Like, yeah. I had no idea. And I was in Augusta at this time. I had no idea. They were just living wild. Oh, yeah. So, um, speaking of mistaken identity, at some point in that whole convoluted story with the twins, I, I didn't have some anywhere to put this, but I... I also feel like this needs to be said because it's so damn ridiculous. At some point, the police came and told the family that defects had taken the twins and adopted them out. What? Yeah. So I'm not like, I just don't normally believe defects is snatching kids up off the street, kidnapper stuff. No, absolutely not. But the police legitly went to the family and was like, okay, well, we know what happened. Defects snatched them up and they adopted them out. Like, uh. le- like that's they legit said that though. So, um, not to mention the fact that do you know how hard it is to place a single teenager? To Very. place siblings is almost ridiculously hard, but to place two kids to adopt out two siblings that are about to age out of the system would it's just impossible. be like. I mean, there's no way the chances would be astronomical. So the family was like, well, somebody, a close family member of theirs did have kids taken by defects. Mm -hmm. And so they felt like the police must have been mistaken and, and just got their identities confused with the twins, which I feel like the police should have made it their business to know who they were looking for. Yeah, but I doubt it. Well, I'm just saying that they should have made it their, their place to know. So I don't feel like just to have that type of confusion feels absolutely ridiculous to me. It's just like, like, I don't like to call people names or anything, but um, honestly, they really come across like dumb. Yeah. Like dumb as hell. Like, it's they not just, that hard, man. I mean. They sound like they just don't care. Yes. They're trying to okay, take the so, easy way out. Yes, but then also, it's like they don't care, but also they are working on it because they are coming up with these ridiculous things. I mean, I feel like that meeting goes, all right, Rogers, you figure out a way to get these people off my back. The rest of us patrol, (laughs) speed duty, parking tickets. The whole thing was just so crazy bad. It's like, like, I think we made this point in another one that, that if somebody was like, here's this movie where all of this happens you'd be like there's that's so stupid there's no way yeah the police would would handle it like that i mean there's you're just out here trying to make the police look stupid with your movie that that's how you would be right (laughs) yeah because you're like there's absolutely no way it was handled this Mm -mm. way but it was handled it was handled this way 
Woo! Somebody does need to pick up this story and make a movie about it. I agree, but I don't know. I don't know the facts. They're so so open-ended. Well, maybe they could do one of those movies where they pick the ending, kind of. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They would have to dramatize what they thought happened. And then I don't know if that would help or hurt the case. I don't know. True. So, um, like I said earlier, Washington died in prison. That happened in 1999. And then John got Alzheimer's and he died in 2021. And, um, he, they asked him a couple times, like, did he know? And he would say things like, I think they're dead or I didn't do anything, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he never, said you know yeah i know what happened or and you know with an alzheimer's patient patients you don't know if they even know what they're saying yeah so they really lost their chance he should have been interviewed they really lost their chance with that because he may have even if he was not there when something happened just the connections that he had because it seems like he was pretty Mm -hmm. you know involved in in the underground criminal activity in augusta it feels like he may have been able to figure out yeah what happened had he he been interested but i don't understand why he wasn't interested i don't know i i can't fathom that so the only reason you wouldn't be interested is if you already knew what happened yeah i mean really all right, so we ran long, so do you want to do our um, social medias? Uh, we need to shout out because I saw a new face on our page this week, and it was Heather Westaby. Hey, girl, hey. Hey. So um, she was making comments this week. Ooh. And, you know, we love that. So otherwise, you want to do comments. our... comments. Yeah, she made a comment on one of the hosts. Ah. So I'll do you want to do... Our social media junk, and then I'll yeah. tell you who so we're sharing. Instagram with. is unsolved underscore south. Facebook, we got a page and a discussion group, Unsolved South Podcast. And then if you want to email us, you can at unsolved south podcast at gmail.com. Sounds good. All right. So this week, we're going to share the podcast with somebody who loves to camp. Ooh, camp. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.